Welcome to the Empathetic Marketer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Michael Krutikoff from Electronique. Michael, it's really nice to have you on. Hi, Brad. Thanks for having me on the podcast today. Absolutely. I'm really excited. So first, tell me a bit about yourself and who you are and what you're doing and your company and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I'm the CMO here at Electronique, and I have spent a well rather long career in sales, sales enablement. Uh, I've actually carried a bag out in the field as an AE, as an SC. And then I, I took kind of a hard turn into product and worked in product management for a while. And then over a decade ago, I got really interested in marketing for tons of different reasons. And I've actually now been in marketing for the bulk of my career and enjoy it every single day. Nice. I love that. So you joined this company in April of 2022. What were your initial priorities? Hit the ground running. It sounds like you guys have really been growing like you know, rocket ship blasting off. What's that looked like for you this year? What have you done? You know, it has been very hectic at times. One of the things that really brought me to Electronique that I was very interested in in the role is that Electronic grew so fast. So just a little bit of background. We've actually been a remote only, not even remote first. We've been remote since the beginning of our company. But in order to grow, and we've grown tremendously, we grew from 40 employees. And about a year later, we have 240. Wow. So when you grow like that, you start to just put people in a region and you grow. So we LATAM, APAC, North America. And so you end up with a lot of these functions but then as you grow those functions, you end up, unfortunately, with some silos. Mm. And I was brought in from my experience in, in you know, breaking down silos and building alignment and building a corporate structure for marketing. And that's what I've been doing for the last few months. Absolutely. That's exciting. So what's next for you? What's top on the priority list right now for this quarter and into next year, overarching strategy-wise? Uh, great question. Strategy-wise... There's, there's the corporate strategy, which is obviously grow, expand, <laughs> how fast can we grow? And But to build efficiency, for me, one of my biggest priorities in anything I do is really based on how fast can we execute. And it's a matter of we do things, we make decisions, and they don't always have to be perfect, right? It's if we ever make a mistake, it's the fail fast mentality. That didn't work, stop, move, try something else. And over the course of my career, there obviously you come in with a lot of really good ideas, so you don't fail as often, but you still move very quickly. And so that hyper-efficiency is what I'm focused on really in the next six months is how do we focus on those things that are super important for us, which is really ROI, right? The customer acquisition costs, LTV. Those are the things that I care about the most, which may sound strange sometimes as a marketer that I'm focused so much on revenue, but in my opinion and in my experience, Successful marketers focus on those types of things and in the efficiency and getting to those points. Absolutely. So let's now talk tactical. And you guys are revenue focused and got that strategy in place of growth and pipeline and you know reducing some of those acquisition costs and all this. What is working that you're seeing that you're going to double down on and stuff in terms of tactics and boots to ground and all that? Yeah. So it's interesting. We've recently gone through reorg and part of that was to break down those regional silos and to centralize all of our functions at a tactical level in order to build those efficiencies. Marketing in a lot of ways, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but a lot of it is like an assembly line, right? Everyone does their role at that time and then executes to that function. 
And that way you can drive the old Model T function, right? Uh, the level of efficiency. Everyone does their part along the assembly line. But it's also in the very controlled and again, in a good way, controlled functions, right? Product marketing does this. Campaign marketing does that. Demand gen does this. And so those structures really put nice guardrails on who does what when, and you end up eliminating a lot of that bleed over that a lot of organizations deal with when they do this, but they also do that. And so without clear guidelines, tactical execution becomes really difficult. And so by setting stronger boundaries, our tactical execution is greatly improved. Absolutely. In terms of messaging and targeting and all this, what does refining that look like for you guys? Have you found you got those silos, it sounds like you've broken those down. And you know, what is yeah. what has been the process of getting the messaging right as you had this rapid growth? Yeah, and it's well, what's really good is that I walked into a situation, obviously, the company we established in 2019. So we weren't starting from ground zero. So we were really good at understanding who do we win with and why do we win, what resonates with them, right? The unique value proposition. Where I my first few months here were really in in the sense of how do we take our existing knowledge of those things and remove that tribal knowledge and centralize it and then form it into something that everyone can rally around. So the personas and refining the ICP were those early tasks that I was like, hey, we've got to come in. We've got to do this first because that lays the foundation. And it's almost before foundation. It's kind of like clearing the ground and all the brush out of the way because you can't even start to build until you know those. And I've always viewed marketing's job as getting the entire organization to speak in one voice. And so that, that becomes the way that we speak talking about your personas in terms of those characters that they that you write them about and understanding the ICP, then every single task you take can always go back to that. And so our tactical execution then becomes very focused on, okay, we're going to go build a piece of content and it's going to serve this purpose for us. Who does it speak to? Where is it along the bio journey, right? How does that fit within our overall ICP? And it makes it much easier to keep things organized that way. Absolutely. As we look at your content that you're creating, where is the majority of that been? Is it thought leadership, top of funnel? Is it sales enablement and decks and really bottom of the funnel stuff? Or even on the product side of you know helping those that just bought fully get onboarded? Is there any particular spot that has been important or will be important when it comes to content? I would love to say that everything was perfect and we've executed everything in, in the most organized fashion. A lot of this was a little bit of triage at first. It was, you identify the gaps. We didn't have a product marketing discipline that was as well built as what I wanted to see. And so again, having been in product marketing myself, I was like, wait a second, we really need to get good at these fundamentals here and breaking it down again to like the buyer journey, awareness, consideration, decision, retention. And to me, it always has to follow that flow. And as we all know, when you can help guide the buyer journey, it's actually not something that's bad for the prospect. It's actually better for them, right? They understand that there's a methodology. You want them to understand you and then, you know, where does that fit? So we've done a little bit of triage, like I said, filling some of those gaps immediately, but our focus is really across the board. We've got to maintain a consistent cadence for the thought leadership and the awareness, and then obviously consideration and decision content. I'm a huge fan of expanding our channels and expanding the types of content. So video, ebooks, infographics, podcasts, like whatever it is that we can do, 
we're looking to provide that because people consume information in different ways. Absolutely. So what channels are you currently utilizing? And then what are ones that are next on your roadmap to move to as we head into next year? Yeah. Well, and this actually kind of goes to our overall change that we're going about, which is we are shifting towards account-based marketing. And it's one of those concepts that people say, oh, account-based marketing, we do that already, right? We know who we want to talk to and these are our accounts, but it's more than just those basics of that. It's really being hyper-targeted. And and it's something that you can only really do. So people listening to the podcast will be like, oh, well, we feel like we're there, but we're not really successful in doing it. A lot of times you actually need to go back to those super early fundamentals and understand the personas and the ICP. When those become super refined and it's a really small tactical piece, it's that lead scoring. You get really good at the lead scoring. Then you understand, take some time to analyze when do we win? When do we lose? Because Winning and losing isn't just, did they agree to a first meeting? That's not a win or a loss. It's they got to a first meeting, but then they didn't end up closing. That's where you really learn your lessons. Like what was missing in those early stages? Were they not nurtured properly? Were were there issues? Why did they fall out? Did they go silent? Did they say that they weren't bought into the story? Is it budgeting issues? All those things need to be analyzed so that you can then make the corrections. It's very iterative. I think is the biggest takeaway from this is analyze every single step along the way, but never take for granted that there's some data that's telling you something. And sometimes it's screaming and shouting loud. Absolutely. So one of the things you mentioned is ABM approach. That means like it's not just inbound versus outbound, but combined. Tell me a bit about what that means. What does that look like in practice? Yeah. And I'll actually, I'll speak to the transition and that we've yeah. gone through and a lot of companies go through, which is most companies tend to start with one or the other. And they'll be like, okay, we're going to do this or we're going to do that. And when it's an or conversation, then they tend to build up a lot of expertise in one of those capabilities. And so when they try to adopt the other methodology, it's actually more difficult for them because it's, you know, it's a new exercise, right? Muscles that you've never used before. Yeah, We've been very fortunate in the sense that we've had inbound and outbound and mixing those strategies has been really effective for us. The shift from that is, is really taking those early steps, right? You've got your ads, your paid ads, you've got your organic, you've got your social media, and and then you've got your landing pages. And when you get good at those things and you start to build really strong conversion rates there, I always put them into two categories, leading indicators and lagging indicators. Those are great leading indicators that you're doing the right things to attract your audience and that your message is resonating with them. After you get good at those things, then you can take that next step in evolution and then shift towards account-based marketing, which is where we're moving now is, is hyper-targeted, only set accounts, Right? Filling the top of the funnel when it's super huge, it's a functional way of doing things. But as much as you can drive that CPM down, you're still going to end up with a point where you're wasting a lot of money on leads that will never convert. So yeah. pulling it from super wide and then moving it to narrow, if your focus at the beginning starts as being super narrow, you're now hyper-efficient and that's what account-based marketing allows you to do. Again, through platforms, DSPs, and you know whichever one you want to use, there, there are plenty of great options out there. But I get super excited about it because it is that level of efficiency that's now really scalable as well. Absolutely. 
So what do you think of this whole concept of companies starting to leverage podcasts, YouTube, LinkedIn, maybe even TikTok? You know, you might be doing an experiment out there, you know, marketers out there listening. What do you think of all these new platforms and where do they fit in? Oh, wow. You know, and if we put that kind of new versus old platforms, or I'd say established platforms, not really old, the industry always moves. And we forget about Friend Finder or whatever it was before oh, yeah. Before it was Facebook. And those things, there was uh, Classmates was another one. And then somebody made a better version, right? And uh, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter, and people tend to use these different platforms for different purposes. There was a, an old joke that said, you know, that I use one platform for the people that I used to know, people that I know now, and the people that I want to meet. And each platform becomes its own utilization. So I wouldn't lump them in to say that this is necessarily old or new, but more in the sense that you always want to be on the cutting edge. And all of those nascent capabilities through TikTok, I personally, I think I'm outside of the target age group for TikTok. I don't get it. I don't know why people want to dance. You can, <laughs> you can do that anywhere. So it may not be for me, but it may be for a certain audience. It also really depends, in my opinion, on what your product is. If you're in you know, B2C, TikTok is probably fantastic. But B2B, I don't know. I'm probably not going to spend any money on TikTok anytime too soon. But I would have said the same thing about YouTube five, 10 years ago. And so some of these things become more established and then people start using them. Absolutely. Any last words of advice, words of wisdom for those listening out there today? Oh, I would say the biggest thing is focus on the fundamentals, even if you've been doing this for a while. And there are so many, so many marketers that I've worked with that have been marketers for five, 10 years, uh, some from 15, 20 years that I've worked on with early in my career. And the ones that were most successful, they focused on the fundamentals. And it's the same thing for any new marketers out there that are listening to the podcast. When you get good at the blocking and tackling, to use the sports analogy, then you can work on the fancy plays. Don't move so fast to try to do the fancy things until you really understand your core business, your value proposition, your personas, your ICP, and your lead scoring. Get those things done in a way that you've got them refined and when that's solid, then you don't have to worry whether or not you've got mistakes there that are affecting your performance in the things that you're testing and trying. Great words of wisdom. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been amazing to have you on and I appreciate your time here. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely.